we get too hung up about going. Right. You know, if you are in a small church in in a city somewhere in the UK, you can think about the ends of the earth because people from the ends of the earth are round the corner. Sure. You know, what are you doing to welcome... So in a way, people and people groups more than nations. Yeah. We do get obsessed with nationhood, don't we, and nations we and boundaries. Yeah. But actually thinking people and people groups, that's actually more valuable. Yeah. Hello, welcome to Independence, which is the FIEC podcast. My name is Adrian Reynolds. I'm the Head of National Ministries for FIEC, and I'm here with Eddie. Arthur, Eddie, thanks so much for coming and joining us. It's good to be back. Um, you've been with us before, but it, it's good to have you here again. Um, Eddie, you're a, a kind of mission generalist, specialist. I don't know I don't know how you describe yourself. Ad- advocate, ad- agitator. An ambassador. Some, somebody in a, our home church once described me as the, the grit in the oyster. The grit in the oyster always leads to the pearl. So that's the one. Okay, and you blog at kuya.net, K-O-U... Ya.net. That's the one. Um, yeah, I, I, it's one of the few blogs that I really enjoy reading all the time. Some provo- oh, thank you. Some provocative stuff, but actually some really helpful stuff for church leaders to thinking about mission and the world in which we're operating. And when we met before, we talked about kind of the imperative of mission, really, yeah. and the importance of mission for the local church. The, the mission world though is changing, isn't it? Because oh, absolutely. The the, the the strength of evangelicalism has shifted geographically. Yeah. It's not now um, quite classically where we. It used to be 100 years ago, even 50 years ago. How has that impacted the the world of mission? Yeah, if you just take it back to William Carey when he wrote his inquiry into the use of means for the propagation of the gospel to the heathen. They had catchy titles, didn't they, they then? Catchy titles on their pamphlets. That is an abbreviated title. (laughs) Is it? Okay. It's a fantastic, it's available as a free download. It's well worth looking at just as an example of how to teach. But he, he doesn't overview of where the gospel is going at that point. You know, people say he was the... So just for those who don't know, tell us what we're talking about historically in terms of timing. 1792. With the end of the 18th century. End of the 18th Thank century. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Kerry is often called the father of modern missions. But actually, he talks about how the gospel has gone out already to different places in India and the Americas. But at that point, it was very clear there was a Christian world in the West... And the rest of the world was the heathen, to, to use the term that was used then. Um, today, the gospel has spread right around the world. There isn't a country on the globe where there isn't a Christian presence. Um, in terms of population, about a third of the world's population would confess to being Christian. Now, um, you know that includes all sure. all types sure. of Christian, but that is remarkable. Um, and within evangelicalism... It's worth pausing, isn't it? It is a remarkable thing. Yeah. When you think, you know, how the world has, has shifted in those 200 years and how the gospel has gone out. Yeah. It's incredible. It, it is. And we're just not... I don't think we think about that enough, probably. We're, we're, we're so self-centred, aren't we, that we miss actually what the Lord has been yeah. doing all around the world. And, and, and the growth in, you know, within my lifetime, since about 1960, yeah. Yeah. has been incredible. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the things that um, his, history-minded Christians will sometimes do is say, "When would you like to go back to in history?" You know, do you want to go back to hear Whitfield sure, or Paul, sure, yeah, and then the yeah. super spiritual? I want to go back and hear Jesus, which yes, yeah. you know kills off the game. Yeah. But I don't want to live any other time but now, because this is the most exciting period in Christian history. The gospel is spreading faster than it's ever done before. And spreading right around the world. That's really good to hear, Eddie. And that's such an encouragement to me. I, I remember um, as a very young leader, 
being mentored by um, a, a much older pastor who's now in his uh, in his nineties, still alive, just about. And I remember we were talking about revival and and praying for revival. And he said, "What you've got to remember, ages, is as we pray for the Lord to do amazing things in this country, He's answering our prayers, just not where you think He is." Yeah. And the, you know, you 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 look at the news; there are extraordinary things happening in in Brazilian jails yeah. and in you know parts of South America and, and Africa and 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 South Asia. You just need to rejoice in. And I, I was quite rebuked by that, but really helped yeah. actually by I, that. I was at a um, a World Evangelical Alliance uh, missions conference. And they had a guy speaking. He didn't say where he was from, but it was somewhere in the Middle East. And he had um, been he'd been imprisoned for his faith, and then he got thrown out of jail for planting a church in the jail. You know, <laughs> that's <laughs> he, one way to get out of he jail, was isn't thrown it? Thrown <laughs> out of prison for planting a church, um, and and you know that's the sort of extraordinary thing that the Lord is doing yeah, yeah. across the globe and in places we don't expect. And what that means is that these folks want to spread the gospel around the world too. They're not thinking perhaps in the classic terms of mission that we think of it, you know, on the Carey model of an agency and then being sent out as full-time sure, missions. Sure. And an awful lot of mission in the world today is happening through migration, through economic migration. There are churches in the Philippines who are sending their pastors as migrant workers to the Gulf. Intentionally. And, Intentionally. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and also partly their job is to pastor the other people who've gone out as migrant workers and evangelists. Um, you know, there are Filipino housemaids who are Christians in um, rich Arab families. And you hear stories. You know, it's hard to yeah, get them all. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, hard to get information, but of folks coming to know the Lord through the witness of migrant workers in is, is places some- we couldn't send... British missionaries. Is there some repenting to do in in the the, the UK church, just in terms of a, sort of a certain cultural superiority or a, a spiritual superiority that remains in in terms of thinking about the world and mission? I think so. I think um, you know the Lord is doing remarkable things around the sure, world, yeah. and we still too often think of ourselves as being the centre. You know, yeah. mission goes from here. We have got we've got the correct faith. Um, you know, we know it all, and even if others are quite keen, they don't quite have the maturity we have. Um, I think we need to. So that that thing about you know we've that. we've got the depth, they've got the width, yeah, kind of thing. That's that's ridiculous nonsense, isn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, what is depth? You know, in terms of spiritual spiritual life, is it knowing Burkhoff off by heart, or? <laughs> Is it walking daily with the Lord and growing in your faith? Yeah, exactly so. Um, yeah. And I see more of that in other parts of the world. I I remember being shocked talking to a, uh, an evangelical pastor, and we we were both talk, we were talking about something and sharing something we wanted to see happen. And I said, "Well, look, let's covenant to pray for it." And his answer was, "Well, just because we pray for it doesn't mean it'll happen." Well, yeah, I know that. I mean, but then you don't have because you don't ask. Indeed. <laughs> you know, I cannot yeah. believe any of my African friends ever saying that. Um, you know, so I, I think there is there are areas where we are not quite as strong as we think we are. Right. And we do need to just confess that before the Lord. And we need the church in the rest of the world. You know, 
Mission, in what sense do we need the church in the rest of the world? Mission used to, I'm, I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> mission used to sort of have a central focus. You know, in William Carey's time, it was sending missionaries out from effectively the Northern, Euro- Northern Europe and the Northern European diaspora yeah, yeah. to the rest of the world. Today, mission is polycentric. Um, you know, missionaries are sent out from Latin America, from Africa, from other parts of the world, and some of them come here. And I, I think, you know, the church is not thriving in Britain. The parts of the UK where the church is growing, it's almost entirely due to African immigrant congregations. We can learn from them. Um, one of the things that we're having to deal with now is religious pluralism. You know, how do you, in an inner city in Britain, how do you be faithful Christians amongst the other faiths? How do you relate to them? Um, you know, we have common concerns. You know, we're all being attacked by secularism. Yeah. Um, so how do we relate, challenging the other faiths, but recognising, you know, where we have common concerns? Asian Christians have been living with that for 2,000 years. We might just sit and talk to them. You know, what are churches in Singapore doing? Because they're in a very similar situation to churches in, say, Sheffield. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? So a, a church leader, really, we don't want to load too much on church yeah. leaders, but essentially a, a church leader who's thinking clearly about mission is not just thinking about, right, who could I send from the church or who do we support in the church? Yeah. We're thinking, actually, how do, how does the church engage with the Christian world Yeah, more broadly? Yes, uh, I, I think so. Which might we- be receiving people. It might be, it might be funding the Filipino pastor to go to the Gulf. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's... It's much more kind of esoteric, really, isn't it? Yes. Eclectic you know, than it has been in the past. There is definitely a place still for sending missionaries from the UK to other parts of the world. Um, but there is equally a case for the UK church receiving missionaries. But I think we have to do that in good faith. Um, I did meet a, a church leader who he was the assistant um, pastor in a mega church in Lima in Peru. Um and he came to the UK and was basically only allowed to do the cleaning. Wasn't allowed to preach. You know, he was used to preaching to thousands. Wasn't allowed to preach in the UK. So he set up a Bible study in his home and led tens of people to the Lord. But, you know, we have to be humble enough to listen to brothers and sisters. Now, they may not dot all the I's or cross all the T's theologically in the way we would like, but they have things we can learn and we need to be prepared to listen. So there's a, pride is really quite a barrier, isn't it, to that sort of cooperative working? I, yeah, and, and I think, you know, it it's something that we as Brits have been brought up to. I think my children's generation less than mine. But, you know, I was told that, you know, the world was the world was still pink when I was at school and that, you know, we uh, we had the empire. An Englishman's world, word is his bond. The English, the English, the English are best. All that stuff. We... We've imbibed that and we've believed it as Christians. So that sort of colonialism, which we we see in the world in its sort of in its in its uglier forms, perhaps that's a problem for the church too, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, I, I I can't remember who said it, but um, I came across a quote a few years ago um, by an African author who said, "The colonizers forget that they were colonizers. The colonized never forget that they were colonized." And it's a generalisation, but I think there is sure. truth there. I, I recall I was speaking at a meeting in Kenya. Um, I was just facilitating discussions. And at one point, I just felt the Lord saying to me, um, 
you need to apologise for what the British did in Kenya. And it, you know, I, I don't normally get that sort of feeling. Um, you know, I hadn't prepared it in advance. Yes. Um, yeah. But I did. And afterwards, some Brits who were in the, in the meeting were very angry with me. You know, you shouldn't be doing that. But then a Kenyan brother came to me and said, my grandparents, or my grandfather was killed by the British. And I've held a grudge against you ever since. And it's really hindered me working together with missionaries. And your apology has just helped to break that, that down. And that, you know, it wasn't something I'd prepared. It wasn't something, to be honest, that was deep on my heart. But I just, you know, felt the sense from the Lord. But it was really important to that brother. So it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, situations are always more complex than we make them. Yeah. With the sort of sweeping generalisations. But, but equally, as we look back to Carey and rejoice in what the Lord has done and just think, isn't this extraordinary the way that people have gone out and that so much of the, yeah. the world now contains people who profess to be Christian. At the same time, we need to match that with a sense of a, a sort of a, a spiritual shame, really, in a sense, in, in terms of some of the things that the church has either been complicit in or has um, actually initiated in terms of, of, of how it's been involved in the world. Yes, I, I I, I think, you know, as Christians, we just need to be constantly, you know, as individuals, you know, that sermon that I preached that went down really well, there was a degree of pride in that as I preached it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, praise the Lord that he used it. Yeah. And, you know, the mission movement, it has the same sort of issues. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think it is a particular need to sort of browbeat and, and beat ourselves up. You know, the Lord has used us, but we do need to acknowledge our failings as well. And that is important to brothers and sisters who feel that they've been dominated. And especially, you know, when William Carey went out, he wasn't that much richer than the Indians he was going to, whereas economic disparity has grown so much in the, um, in, in the time since that missionaries from the West now can be, you know, incredibly rich, rich beyond the wildest dreams of the people they're reaching out to. And with riches goes power. Yeah. Um, and we have to be careful that the gospel isn't being uh, wrapped up in a materialistic um, envelope. So in, in some of these places, would, would the UK church be better as a missionary strategy investing in, in indigenous workers rather than sending out white workers all the time or, or is that that too simplistic I, I think I think it I think that is simplistic I think it's it's both and I think right. always but I would say you know in terms of it as we talked about last time relationships are so important and invest investing in supporting local churches or indigenous workers has to be built on a real relationship and a real friendship and so that has to be developed too um, I I'm very, very nervous about the publicity that you see sometimes that says, um, pay a native evangelist, um, you know, for for this many dollars, you can pay 40 indigenous evangelists yeah. or just one American. Well, do we want to invest in local people because they're cheap? You know, what does that say about our values and our value in them? I think, it, you know, relationship and care for them in the gospel yes. has to be centred. It ends up still being a form of colonialism, doesn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. 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 So let's, let's come back to church life and um, 
church leaders, helping church leaders think about mission strategy. Does, does a church need a mission strategy? Does it need, I mean, by, by that I mean, I guess I'm talking about a coherent plan for how it engages with, with cross-cultural mission? I think so. And what, it, what are, it doesn't have to be complex. But the thing is, the world is incredibly big. You know, there's just too much happening. You can't concentrate on it. And also, in the UK, um, we have what one pastor called the alphabet soup of mission agencies. You know, you've got all these magazines, all these agencies demanding that they talk to you. Um, you've got young people going to conferences and deciding they want to go on a short-term mission trip. You've got just so many different things. You can't do it all. And if you try to do it all, you confuse church members. You don't get up doing nothing, yeah, possibly. Yeah. And you don't build any depth. Yeah. So I think, you know, by strategy, I just mean some way that you prayerfully limit your engagement and use that as a basis for deciding who your visiting preachers will be. Um, oh, can I make a plea? Church ministers, if you invite a missionary to come and speak, don't then go and preach somewhere else. <laughs> Quite. You know, um, the whole point of getting somebody with experience from another part of the world is so that you as a a minister can be enriched and deepened. Yeah. It used to really infuriate me. Yes, no, I can see that. And actually, there's something very powerful about the rest of the church seeing the minister sitting in the front row under the ministry of yeah, whoever it may yeah. be. Yeah. But but that means you don't just invite a random missionary. You invite, you invite somebody with whom you have a natural contact and an ongoing interest. Now, it may be a missionary you're supporting. It may be somebody from the agency of the missionary you're supporting. But it's somewhere where there is, you're building depth rather than just filling a slot in the pulpit because yeah. the pastor's on holiday. Sure. Well, let's just go back one stage then. Um, as a church leader, what are some of the things I ought to be thinking about in terms of building a coherent strategy? I, I mean, it, there are lots of different kinds of churches, and I guess it will vary for church size, history, you know, if the church is new or if it's yeah. got a hundred year, you know, it's, it's going to be different. But but in broad terms, what are some of the things I ought to be thinking about? I I think you, you have to start with, well, what are you doing? Yep. You know, what, what are the ongoing missionary interests in your church and how deep are they? If you are already supporting a missionary, is that somebody you've sent out? Because if it is, you know, if you've laid hands on this person, even if it was before you were the pastor, yes. then your strategy is decided for you, essentially. Then, in then, a way. then at least you you have something that you have to to deal with. Yeah. You can't just say, "Well, we sent you out to preach the gospel twenty years ago. We don't believe in you anymore." You, you know, you have to have some sort some sort of ongoing relationship or a transition. However, if it's just, you know, we've supported this person, they came they came here and spoke at a midweek in 1985 and we've supported them ever since, you don't have to continue. The photo probably on the board is from 1985. Yeah, well, quite yes, possibly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I prefer photos of me from 1985, to be quite <laughs> frank. <laughs> so so it, it's a, it's both quantitative and qualitative yeah. reviewing the sort of agencies yes. that you that you support. What about if you're if you're a church plant, you're a relatively new church, so I'm in a relatively new church. How do you make a start with something like that? I, I think um as we said last time, a lot of it I think is a patient waiting on the Lord, what is he saying? Which should be part of your process as, as a church plant anyway. Yeah. You know, you've already been doing that, I hope, before you plant a new congregation which develops into a into a fellowship. Um what are the natural contacts you have? Does does the church you were planted by have a mission partner where you have natural links and can you continue supporting them? Or 
do you want to start doing something new? Who are the young people in your church who may be interested in mission in the future? I think one of the one of the problems is that we have the ecclesiology of mission all wrong. The ecclesial our our version the way we do mission is built around the individual. We wait for the individual to get a call possibly by going to a conference and meeting a mission agency rep and then coming back to the pastor and saying, you know, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a missionary in the Sudan. I want yep. you su- to support me. Rather than the church saying, we have a burden for the gospel in X country and this couple, they would be ideal. We want to set them apart. And that puts the church at the centre rather than the individual. And I think we need to just reorganise how we think about about mission in those terms, um, rather than just waiting. You know, so often pastors I talk to say we 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 love to send somebody, but we don't have someone. Well, you start. What are your burdens, and how then can you get involved in meeting the needs in those places, either by sending somebody, or by getting involved with local Christians. But put the church at the centre, rather than waiting for the individual to I, spring I up like and that. say. Yeah. One of one of my colleagues was telling me a story the other day about a, a very small church um, and how they've been praying for evangelism. Yeah, and they've just been praying for one convert. They said we're going to pray <laughs> for one convert every meeting, and then when the Lord gives us one convert, we'll pray for their next convert. Yeah, and I was just saying that's a great, you know, faithful and, and great way of praying for evangelism. But actually, you could pray for that even as a small church for mission. Lord, give us yeah. someone to send, yeah. or someone to receive, based on what we were saying yeah. earlier. Or, you know, Lord. We really want to pray for Sudan. You know what's going on there. Um, you get it. You, you start praying, and then as you learn more about the country, you see a particular need, and you say, "Well, Lord, can we get involved in that?" But if prayer is leading, and it's a church thing, and prayer is leading it, you will see opportunity to do stuff. But if you start by thinking, "What are we going to do?" You know, it becomes activism. Sure. One of the, you know, one of the big problems in mission work is that um, evangelicals are activists. We like to do stuff uh, and we like to be seen to do stuff. You know, um, as a missionary, I get paid for writing letters. What I actually do doesn't matter. I've just got to write letters that yeah. make it look as if I do something. <laughs> but doing something may not always be the most important thing in the kingdom of God. Um, you know, spending time praying, reflecting, knowing where God is leading doesn't seem to achieve something, but I think long term it does. So I, I would say to a church, you know, if you don't have natural contacts, just pick a particular ministry, you know, be it theological training in Kenya or a particular country or something, and just devote yourselves to praying for that the way that this can congregation prayed for one convert and as you devote yourself to that as you gain the information you need for your prayer you will discover things that you can do so put the put the prayer first yeah activism flows which yes. is a great principle for yeah. church life anyway isn't it i think so yeah do you do you think there's value I've, I've heard this quite a lot i've used it myself there's value in going to acts one and saying we ought to have those different horizons as a church you know the kind of the jerusalem judea samaria ends of the earth that actually, um, you know, we ought to be interested in the locality where we are, in the country where God has providentially put us in the continent, in the, in the wide world. Is, it, is there some value in, in thinking that way, do you think, as a church? I think so. Is it a bit forced? I, I, think, I think it can be forced, but I think, I think it's a good thing to do. But um, 
I think <laughs> this is going to sound really bad, uh, wrong, coming from a missionary. We get too hung up about going. Right. You know, if you are in a small church in inner city somewhere in the UK, you can think about the ends of the earth because people from the ends of the earth are round the sure. corner. You know, what are you doing to welcome... So in a way, people and people groups more than nations. Yeah. We do get obsessed with nationhood, don't we, and nations and boundaries. But actually thinking people and people groups, that's actually more valuable. You know, you can... You probably can't send a missionary to Afghanistan, but you can take a meal round to that Afghan family of Afghan refugees and help them settle in and perhaps help them with their um, asylum... Yes. Claim. Yeah. And just befriend them and over time explain to them why you're befriending them. And in fact, I mean, it's extraordinary, isn't it, what's happening in the Iranian diaspora? Oh, just, absolutely and, and incredible. I'm going to just say, perhaps you say a little bit about it because not, not everybody might have, have heard the sort of the stories, but there's just been a remarkable work of God, isn't there, amongst Iranians who have, well, actually in Iran, but actually Iranians yeah. who have left the country, isn't that, isn't that Yeah, right? oh, it's incredible. The number of um, Iranians who are becoming Christians, it's, you can tell how extraordinary it is because um, the anti-immigration lobby are now saying that Iranians are pretending to become Christians yep. to avoid, yes. um, to you know, so they can stay in the country. Yep. Yep. Um, but actually, you know, it's actually so many of them are becoming Christians. Iranians are told to go and look for churches because churches will befriend them, will care for them, will help them. Which 25 years ago might have just seemed... A- an extraordinary dream, really. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the country that was most opposed to Christians, most opposed to the West, yeah. um, under the Ayatollah. But the, the, the Lord has his people and he's drawing them to him. Yeah. Now, what about just in church life? We talked about this a little bit last time you were here, Eddie, but let's talk about it again. What about stopping things? It, it's, it's one of the hardest things as a church leader is to stop any, well, any ministry yeah. that you think has run its course. Um, so, so how do we... Um, how do we not just keep adding to the mission roster? How, how do we actually, in, in a godly way as leaders, lead a church through just releasing? Yeah. I don't know how you describe it. Letting go, <laughs> making redundant. I don't know. You know, the, if you if you feel that you're spread too thin, how, how do you deal with that? I mean, I mean, the simple thing is just stop. Um, you know, just, I, <laughs> just stop it. Yes. Um, you're obviously from the north, I can tell you. I, I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, that, and being prepared to do that, you know, being prepared to have the difficult conversations. Um, you know, as church leaders, you've got enough difficult conversations you don't want any more. And I understand why church leaders don't want to stop supporting some particular aspect of mission. Um, you know, you, you have enough to, on your plate. But I think um, there are a number of things you can do. I think, first of all, you can only stop doing something if you are presenting a better vision. Right. You know, this is where we're going. So it's not just about cutting back, it's, is it? Yeah. It's, it's, that's where the strategy know, comes in, yeah. It, yeah. It's not that we're stopping supporting mission. It's that we're actually going to really concentrate on we're this. We're going to do it better. We're going to do it better and give good examples of that. I think, you know, where you've been supporting a missionary £10 a month because they came to speak in 1985, just write them a nice letter and say... You know, we don't feel that this is where we're going. Um, I've received a number of those letters. You know, you never like you know you never like getting a pay cut, but you appreciate it and you understand. You but know. presumably, even as, as a sort of leading a mission agency, 
you're glad that churches are thinking through mission carefully, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Even if, even if it means you sort of, you know, you lose that standing order. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I always find that when, you know, because we, um, our income, you know, comes from individuals and churches. Um, we don't get a salary. I always find that when someone writes to us, either a church or an individual, and says, look, you know, we've been reviewing what we can do, we're no longer able to keep supporting you. I find that bizarrely encouraging. Okay. You know, okay, I don't like losing the money, um, but to know that people are thinking through what they're doing, what the Lord is leading them to, is just really helpful, and it's, it's good to know. I think it becomes more complex where a church has sent an individual out some point in the past and feels that they can no longer support them. Um, I think one of the things we do is we shoot ourselves in the foot by committing ourselves to people without any review. I think churches need to have a regular review with their supported mission partners. Which comes back to the point about having them on staff. If there's someone you've sent, that's an easier process to go through. Yes, You've got that sense of connection and and, um, fellowship. um, I very much appreciate, you know, our sending church above bar in Southampton. They do... Um, I've been based in the UK now, so it, it's a bit different. But when we were in Africa, we would have a serious review every time we came home, sit down with the mission committee and um, a member of the, the church staff and just talk through how we're getting on, how we're doing spiritually, um, you know, what we're requiring, what we need by way of training. Now, we never did, and they never did talk about how long are we going to keep supporting you for, though I encourage them to think in those terms as well. Just, you know, we're going to commit ourselves for the next four or five years. But if you're doing that sort of thing, you also have to think, how are we going to help them transition? Um, You know, if somebody's been living in um, another country for most of the last 12 years and they're coming back to the UK and they have to move into a UK-based job, they may not have the skills or the experience or whatever. So how are you going to help them to transition? So as a primary sending church, you have quite a different responsibility than another church that's just contributing money, perhaps. And I think, you know, you have responsibility. Things like retraining, careers careers guidance or whatever, help them make that transition. But just because you're supporting a missionary, it doesn't have to be a life sentence for the church. What about individuals in the church who have particular passions and are, and are pushing them hard? How, how, do you, how do you manage that as a church leader? Well, I, th- I think that is why you actually have to say what you as a church are going to commit to. Um, and, you know, you have to do that as, as a leadership decision. Now, hopefully, you know, your leadership decisions are made by bringing in yep. input from the rest of the church. But you have to be quite clear, you know, we are supporting work in this country or we're supporting this particular missionary all that other stuff it's great and you know once in a while we might you know as a special meeting have time for that but no it's not going to be a regular part of our services it's not going to be a regular part of what we do and you just have to be firm but you can only do that if you're presenting something which is a really helpful general point actually about leadership isn't it you need to have a clear you know we perhaps over talk vision in terms of what it is but actually as a church leader you're you're Part of your God-given role is to lead the church. Yes, yeah. Um, it's not just to be the shepherd and it's not just to be the elder. It's also to be the mm-hmm. overseer. You're yeah. to lead a church in a particular direction. And therefore that fits in, doesn't mm-hmm. it, with exactly yeah. what you're describing. Yeah. Now, you know, it could be that um, as you're starting thinking through what are we going to do, the fact that somebody in your congregation has a real link and a real passion 
you might think, well, actually, we want yep. to pick up. Maybe we want to pick up something. This. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, this may be something we want to do as yep. a whole congregation, but it may be also, you know, as a congregation, we're going there. They want to go there. Yeah. The Lord bless them, but we ain't supporting that. Eddie, thanks so much for joining us. We're out of time. Um, I, I've just been thrilled, actually, to be reminded of what the Lord is doing around the world. It's always good to yeah. be reminded of that. And especially, I think, when here at you know, FIC, we're sort of thinking so much about serving UK churches, we can just lose that international perspective. So this, just hearing that is yeah, great news. This is the most exciting time in the whole of history. Thank you. On that note, we're going to finish. Eddie, you're going to come and join us again, I think, and talk to us a little bit about churches and mission agencies, how we can engage with them in a really healthy way. What are some of the pitfalls? What are some of the things to to look out for? We're looking forward to that. But for the moment, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us on Independence, the FIC podcast. You can uh, subscribe in the normal way through your normal podcast provider and look forward to joining you soon.